0: Welcome to Every Step Podcast. I'm Christina Weston. And I'm Judith Beck. Every Step is the podcast where career and life meet. With a new guest every episode, we explore the gutsy issues
1: affecting everyone in the workplace. Today we welcome Elizabeth Best, who is the host of the podcast Ghost of Boyfriends Past, which is a great podcast. I've listened to it. I love it. And you know what, Elizabeth, we have been waiting for this episode because um, there's so much content. And because of that, in this particular episode, we're going to do a part one and part two. Amazing. We're going to talk about our experiences and what's happened and try to give some um, uh, advice on what we would do. And then in part two, we're going to do a very quick question and answer in real life scenarios. So hopefully that will help people. So, yeah, that happened to me. And this is what they did. So maybe that's not a bad idea. And again, it's all about what we would do. Um, and everybody's different. Every situation's different. So I think that we should just kick it off with Elizabeth. I know this has happened to you in the past where you've met someone at work. Mm-hmm. Just tell us a little bit about what happened.
2: Um, Well, look, the first time I met this person at work, um, we were both in relationships with other people for about uh, five years. So we developed a really like good, solid friendship. And I think that's probably why I was a little bit more trusting of the relationship than I would have been had we, you know, had this instant chemical, physical attraction thing. Like it, it was, and so when my ex- cheated on me this colleague was there for me and they will be like well why don't you find a relationship of someone that will appreciate you properly and the inference was like me Um and but he was still in a relationship at that time so we didn't let that go any further until we were both single Um but when it did go further it was so fast it was so like you know we'll we'll get married at some point and we'll do this and we'll do that it was very very love bomby um and then we went away we we finally told people at work probably about 3 months into the relationship um and you know the boss was okay with it as long as you know we acknowledged that it was you know a thing we had
0: sure yeah
2: rest. yeah um and then we went away on our first mini break um and During that mini break, we had a fight. I don't even remember what it was about, to be honest with you. Um, And in the morning, he said, I don't want to do this. And I said, oh, well, that's fine. I don't want to do this either. Let's not fight. And he goes, no, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do us. I would like to, you know, we're we're splitting up. I I don't need your drama was -hmm. what I got. Um, And so we, yeah. So we he, he booked us flights to come home three days early and had the gall to ask me for half the cost. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not paying that. Um, and then when we were on the plane and I was crying, he's like, what's wrong? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and a lovely air hostess took pity on me and sat me away from him. Um, and then we were all made redundant at our work a couple of months later and because I d- didn't know any better at the time, we trauma bonded and got back together and dated for about four and a half years. But we moved cities and worked together at that place too. So we kind of moved from one workplace into another because we both did the same thing. And, yeah, it didn't end well. <laughs> what would you have done differently? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the main things that I would have done differently is uh, had a little bit more confidence in myself because a lot of the issues that we had in our relationship were from him subtly putting me down or making me feel like I couldn't do things or minimising. Like I remember one time he came over to my side of the office because we worked in slightly different departments when we moved cities and he was like, look at my girl working away, click, clack, click, clack. And I was like, at the time I was like, oh, that's so cute. And now I'm like, that was really belittling. And he actually put me down in front of a whole bunch of my colleagues, you know, my little girl working away. Um And I think that I just would have had a little bit more confidence in myself because one of the issues that we did come up against is that when we moved cities and when initially in the same workplace, I applied for other jobs and got them and they were my dream jobs. Um, And he was very dissatisfied at his workplace and I was having a ball at mine. And it got to the point where there was this strange professional jealousy where, if I came home and told him about the amazing stuff that I was doing, he would get cranky. And then so I stopped telling him and then we had explosive arguments about, you know, why are you trying to hide it from me? You know, why are you trying to keep your success from me? Like, what do you think? It's going to make me feel small. And I'm like, well, kind of because that's how you've been acting. Oh, this is so
0: familiar to me and this is where work and life collides. And so many of the issues are not actually work issues. No. They're human issues. They're issues about our self-worth. They're issues about how well we manage boundaries. Um, I had a very, very similar scenario. Um, I ended up marrying somebody that I was working in and he ended up being my bo- my direct boss for a period oh. of time. This was in the late 80s, early 90s, Different mm-hmm. different world, different world. And whilst I was more junior to him, everything was fine. Mm. But the minute I started earning more money than him and got transferred to another division and had more seniority, things fell apart. Mm, that'll do um, it. Things, things fell apart. And yeah, I have to be careful what I say, actually, because there's probably a lot of people that that know me and know um, mm. my first husband um, you know, gorgeous guy, but didn't cope with me, didn't cope with my success. And then they Then men like that often go into trying to control you. And if you don't have high levels of self-confidence and high levels of self-worth, which it takes time to build, and it's only when you go through these kind of, I'll call them traumas because I yeah. subsequently divorced and I had my own trauma. I had a young child, a three-year-old at the time, Um It's only until you process the trauma and get help and get lots of counselling that you start to build your own belief in yourself and your own value in yourself. It's like, hey, I'm actually good. I'm actually really good at this and I deserve to be paid what I'm paid and I deserve these promotions. Um, But when you're in the midst of it and you're getting all this in your ears, really, really hard. Really hard. Well, it's
1: awesome too if you know whether it's a partner or a friend. If they're not a cheerleader for your successes, and if they're not celebrating your successes, they're not. Those are red flags. So you know, you, you say going home and talking about things that you've done well. If they're not like going, that's really great. If they're cutting you off, that's a that is a beginning of a re- of a red flag because that there's a jealousy there or they're they're not building you up. They're, they're pushing you down and you want people who are building you up um, and celebrating your successes. And that that that's where it probably does make it really hard when you're um, having a relationship at work, because then you're also taking it home. And then and there's and no like, escaping. There is no, no escaping. escaping. Exactly. And I was reading up on, um, it said, I was reading something that where it said that um, only 29% of relationships go longer than a year. Um, that was one of the studies that we had, and in our poll that we just recently did, 28% people said they would have a relationship at work. Uh, 14% said if it was an if it was in another division, and 59% said no. But there were comments of people saying that they found their life partner, so it can happen. And I think it is very, very, um, uh, de- you know, it depends on one the type of environment. One, if two, if you're in a position where you're, you're wanting to move up the corporate ladder, and there's a higher because some positions aren't hierarchical, you know, they're not, you know, they're not like, like, uh, for instance, if you're in a, if you're a teacher, because remember, uh, Elizabeth, when we were because Elizabeth and I were on, um, what was it called again, Elizabeth?
2: inside, inside we the yeah. Insight program
1: yeah for working working relationships and there are lots of couples on there that you kind of go yeah I can kind of get why they would have had a relationship you know well, somebody they had
2: very non-traditional workplaces so you had they had like I felt like such a Debbie Downer on that show because there's all these happy couples and they're like and Elizabeth and I'm like oh I broke up with someone and it was hell and then we got back together and it was hell um <laughs> but they had like teachers and they had actors and they had sports referees you know there was one couple that were that were public servants um but I mean, 28 years ago yeah exactly a, a completely different, different, different time and different world so it was interesting to see that the people who had had successful relationships were from fairly non-traditional non-corporate workplaces
1: exactly and yeah. then and then the one there was a couple that then ended up transferring after three months, which you kind of go, yeah, okay. If you if you are going to get a relationship with someone, one, you need to do it slowly, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe have a couple, some coffees and see if it, if, any, if there's anything. Um, you got to find out if it's acceptable in your organization. Um, then I think what would have really helped probably a lot of people, probably Elizabeth would have helped you and Christina, if you would have had people who you could have spoke to, you know, like like a, a a mentor, someone who's been who's gone through through it, who you could have said, "Look, this is what's happening. This is what," and that would have maybe have helped.
2: Well, um, I sort of, I sort of did find that I had one, but a little bit too late because uh, we had always planned when we moved cities that we were going to move home eventually. Um, And so he ended up finding a job at home before I did, but I was still in the middle of my dream jobs. Um, But I also was like, long distance is too hard. I just want to move home because when you're in your late 20s, early 30s, you're just like, well, I have to move for my man or, you know, like it didn't seem as important as my feelings um, <laughs> but I remember my editor, one of my editors at the time, when I I came to him and I said, "Look, um, I'm looking at uh, moving to to be with uh, my partner," and he said, "Does he realise what you're giving up for him?" Does he realise, like, you are so talented and you are so perfect to fit here, does he realise that? And I was like, yeah, he does, whatever. (laughs) Um, No, he didn't at all and I didn't at all either. And I think that's,
0: I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think it's very common and I'm going to be, it's going to be a gross generalisation here, very common for women when they find a partner that they really love and they they believe they can have children with and have the happily ever after with, that we tend, or I did, I'll speak for myself. We make decisions that compromise ourselves, and at the time it's a little compromise. Mm-hmm. At the time we kind of go, oh my love for this person, and we've got a future, and and I'm going to have babies, so you know if their career is important, and and you make excuses and excuses and excuses. But what happens is those excuses build up and they build up and those little compromises build up until until you wake up one day and you go, Where did Christina go? I've lost where is Christina? I yeah. don't even know who Christina is anymore.
2: Yeah. And it took me probably about a year of therapy to figure out who I was because by That's the rest- <laughs> Yeah. Because I but by the time I ended that relationship, I thought I was crap at Mostly everything. I thought up was down, black was white, you know. And I was trying to explain to somebody else how I could feel like that. And I was just like, it was just so many little things, but he would attack the things that I already thought that I was not very good at. Like he, he, he found the little, parts of me that I was insecure about and told me that I was wrong about them and so I would get more and I'd be like well I already feel like I'm not good at this so therefore I must not be good at this. And you were with a narcissist. Yeah whereas now I go you know what like he's just found a chink in my armor and I am good at this and I have just have imposter syndrome and everybody has imposter syndrome but it does not mean that I'm not good at this. Exactly. Can I ask A
1: question exactly. to both of you. What uh, Elizabeth, what age range were you in when that happened?
2: Uh so 28 to 32 this relationship was. To 32 and Christina. Same age. Same age. Okay. So won, to, yeah. uh, 20 yeah.
1: 2026
0: 20, yeah, 20, to 30. So, you know, give or take, yep. same age. Yep. And the
1: other person, Elizabeth, was there an age de- difference?
0: He was 8 years older.
1: Six 8 years, years older. Old. Six, years, Six years, years older. Okay, so there was that I know everything and you're just a kid growing, Come, you know, you're, what do you know, you're a lot younger than me. So well,
2: at the start of our relationship, he did actually call me kid when I was at work. He's like, hey, kid, you know, like, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ha, ah, ha, ha, so cute. And now I'm like, that's not right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder, that wouldn't happen today, would it? No, it was, oh. I
2: was like the little girl. I was, you know, young and innocent to him and he would be like, look at my little girl, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm just like, oh, gross. It's
1: cringy.
0: It's cringy now when you so think of it.
1: Cringy. Oh, my
0: God, somebody said that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think the world has changed. I think the world has changed. You know, my scenario was in the late 80s, early 90s. That's a, that's a lifetime ago in terms of where we've come culturally.
2: Mine was even good. 10 years ago and we've still come. We've come, the Me Too movement, and- the
0: Me Too movement and everybody finding their voice and HR finding their voice and people finding their voice and everything that comes with that good and bad because there's been bad that's come with that too. Um, it's it's changed. I mean, we all used to date people at work. It was how you met people. It's how you met your partners, how you met your husbands. But I think if I was in corporate now, I'd be thinking really, really hard about the consequences of doing that because the consequences are not trivial. In those days, it was just what happened. Yeah, like It was just the way you met people. But it's well, so different it, now. it
1: was contained. So, um, you know, and then also, too, depending on when, like for, for instance, when I was going uh, to uni, I worked in retail. And so, so the the guys that were at the um, store that we worked at, well, we all, I dated, you know, I, that was fun. We all went out and because I wasn't going to work in retail. <laughs> I had no idea that was my, you know, means to an end basically. And so that was all kind of fun during that time. But even then, even in that environment where everybody knows everybody, it was contained, mm. you know, it, like if any, if there was a, a breakup or whatever, it was contained with that group. It didn't go out on social media or to other divisions or other areas as gossip that was going to be there forever. And that is what is so hard, I think, for people who are having relationships now, um, especially at work, is that if it doesn't work, everybody knows about it probably throughout the whole organization. They're all going to have their view and they're all going to, you know, there's going to be the, you know, people on this person's side and people on that person's side, you know, that kind of thing. And that's really damaging from a a career point of view. And is it worth it? I I was reading up on um, the internet just a little while ago that some of the ones that seeing what the legal sites would say. And I had to laugh because as one said, what you should do is you should make sure that you have an agreement um, while, you know, at the beginning of the relationship, about an exit, kind of like an exit, like a, what yeah, like happen- a prenup for working like together. A prenup for work. What happens if the relationship goes wrong? This is what, and I just laugh. I
0: thought, who in the hell is going to do that? No one is going to do that. And you know what? When people are going through trauma, when people are going through grief, when people feel jilted or when they feel poorly done by, because we're all human, you actually don't know how someone's going to respond. And you think you're with somebody who's, rational and mature and you've had this you know breakup that you both agreed on but then later somebody starts going through um a grief process and they start getting angry and they might do something crazy and lash out or say something that they shouldn't or and then it all like it can all come falling apart so quickly quickly. And And the kicker when they see you start dating someone else
1: then that Will st- could start its own little problems, you know, mm-hmm. of people being the breakup. You know, I you really have to think these things through now to the to the to conclusion. Almost worst case scenario. Oh, huh. Go, okay, it just <laughs> asked me. She's just asked me out, uh, and start thinking worst case scenario. Do I really is, like this person that much?
2: With <laughs> those agreements, I've had a little bit of experience with different like. Agreements like that, uh, and they're not legally binding. They they basically can give a court an idea of what your intentions were, but in the end, that's only if you go to court. You know, there's nothing about that agreement that is legally binding.
1: Yeah, exactly. And who and who? Let's just say you're both got, you're looking at this agreement, and the agreement says okay because i'm in the more senior position that means that i'll stay here
0: but you need to go and okay. then
2: like okay i'll leave bye yeah yes. like that's gonna happen oh,
0: I, I, like I just don't job. think we're dealing with pra- a pragmatic approach it's just not gonna no Human so, emotion. humans are more complex than that
1: <laughs> yeah so is, is it ever okay is it ever okay like what what situations would warrant it okay if you if you were in the corporate life today, and you were and that presented that, with, is there ever a situation where you think, yeah, I'm going to risk it?
2: Honestly, as much as I say, absolutely not. I would never. If I felt it again, I probably would, um, but I would be more careful about it, about how I navigated it, about evaluating my career against a relationship rather than being like well I'm nearing 30 and that means I need to start considering my future and settling down and getting married so therefore stuff my career I'm just going to do this and my career will get back on track later I think I'd weight my career a lot more uh a lot heavier uh if I did it again yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah I think- <laughs> What about the knowledge,
0: the benefit of the experience, and you've got the benefit of having a greater belief in yourself and a trust and a value of yourself. And I think the hard part is when you go into this at that time, often we don't have that belief in ourselves. Do you
2: think that people who haven't gone through what you and I have gone through um, have that strong, like, like do you have to have gone through someone putting you down to find yourself again?
0: No, I don't believe that's the case. It was just my journey. It was yeah. just—it was just my Achilles heel. I hear
2: this so often on our podcast is that people don't realize their true value until somebody else has put it down, and only it's—it seems to me I keep getting all these stories on our podcast about all the—you know—it's the narcissists that believe in themselves, and everybody else who has to go through the—the the trauma of someone else putting them down before they realize they're wrong.
0: Well, the narcissists are still going through trauma. It's just how they deal with their trauma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, well i
2: think i think
1: i think what happens too is people get angry if someone like puts them down and and challenges their abilities and so it's someone who is you know they're probably humble and they're you know like i always call the silent achievers and then they get someone who actually says something to them and then they finally get the courage or say something no i'm not taking that that's not true but it you know they might they might let them Knock them down one or two times before they get angry, because you kind of almost have to go. Now that's it. I'm not. I'm not taking this anymore. Um, they've hit. Yeah, they've hit. You I
0: know, think they've gone, gone too far. Maturity. I think some of it comes with maturity. I think the the more mature we get, the more experienced we get the more comfortable we are managing our boundaries and holding our boundaries so somebody might say something to us once and we kind of brush it off and they might say something to us again and we brush it off and the third time around we'll go actually not okay and we'll actually whereas when we're not so practiced at manage our, managing our boundaries we let it go for way way too long until we um we've lost ourselves or we've compromised ourselves to such a degree that it's like well like i said earlier where's christina um, yeah,
2: I remember there was one specific thing that I remember that he said to me is when I was up visiting um, family in the city that I was going to move back to um, and we were in a group of friends and we were just talking about what we were doing and and this guy said, well, I'm obviously going to have to go back and help Liz move because she's incapable of doing it by herself. And I didn't say anything. I just went, oh, okay but inside i was furious because like i'd moved house several times without him in my life without anybody helping me but at the time i'd had three or four years of um basically those tiny little put downs so when the big smash came and he said something to me in front of my friends i didn't say anything about it because i was so far away from where i started
0: yeah and that and unfortunately that happens and it happens to talented, successful, achieving women. Because often we are, I'll speak for myself, I was um, in my early career, I was a bit of a superstar. I had a fast track. I was earning good money. I was doing really well. I was really well regarded. But I didn't have a lot of confidence around my ability to be loved and have a relationship. That was my Achilles heel. But I was damn good at my job and really well regarded, um, and that was just so. I that was my weakness. Mm. That was my weakness. So it happens to to very successful women. Well, that in itself, that in
1: itself is probably another good reason not to have relationships with people you work directly with them or avoid them at all costs, because then you don't you don't have that emotional. Um, Uh, part that, you know, that intertwines with day and home so that you're not going into work and then you're working together and then someone's doing that. Where if that wouldn't have been your partner and they said that to you, my guess is you probably would have gone, what the hell are you talking about?
2: (laughs) Exactly. Like if they had, if someone said that to me in a work context, and they weren't someone that I was in a relationship with, I would lose it. Yes. Can you imagine if someone said that in front of colleagues? Well, you're not capable of doing that by yourself, so I guess I'll do it. Like, no, thank you, and yet somehow you take it in your home life? Yeah. exactly. Because very, you don't want a very to good point. cause
1: issues or you don't want confrontation because you know you're not going to say anything there because that's going to cause confrontation. People are going to go, oh, they're fighting, and then, you know, you might have to take it home. Um, But then you get home and you think, oh, I don't want, because a lot of people don't like confrontation, so they let let things slide, but it still goes in the memory bank, it starts building up, you know, and then all of a sudden, that's when the volcano blows, it gets to a certain point where you go, no, I'm not taking it anymore. But, you know, I guess guess the lesson learned, learned through these things are, yeah, we've learned that lesson, but it did make you stronger. And it does make you wiser and you think, okay, if I was ever in that situation again, I'm going to do it differently.
2: Well, half half the reason I got into doing my podcast, honestly, is because I wanted to tell stories. Like I I started as a relationship columnist um, for She Said and I got people writing into me saying that the, the story that you told about your life and your experiences really helped me and that's the whole reason I wanted to go into podcasting about relationships is because I want to tell stories, tell people stories that have someone at home going, I'm experiencing that, what can I take away from this, you know?
0: And I think there are a lot of people that are experiencing the things that we're talking about that don't want to talk about it because there's a bit of embarrassment about it, there's a bit of shame about it. I mean, who likes to admit that that they're vulnerable or that, they haven't managed their boundaries, or that they feel unlovable, right. or that they've let something get away from them in the way that you and I let things get away from us. Yeah. Uh, it's you don't want to admit that. Yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So that's the great thing about your podcast and podcasts like these is that we didn't like we didn't have any of this stuff back in our in our days, right? Back in our days, <laughs> our our days. <laughs> We had the wagon, um, <laughs> 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 but the thing is, is that it, this is great because people can listen to these and actually listen to real life situations that aren't manufactured. That are you know people have gone through it, and then see other people made mistakes, other people got through it. It wasn't the end of the world. Um, they learned from it. They're better off now. Those kind of things. And I guess from an audience point of view, if people are listening, listening to us now and they're thinking about getting into a relationship at work, you know, as you know, we, as we pretty much almost said, just don't do it, run the other way. But if you are going to get into a relationship at work, then there's probably some practical things that you should do um, as you're entering into this relationship. So let's just quickly go around and talk about what it is. Christina, maybe two things that you would do. Elizabeth, two things, and then we'll go into our um, part two. What would you suggest people do if they're going into a relationship with
0: someone at work? Christina. On me? Um, oh, wow. What would I do now? Um, I think you need to be open and transparent with the people around. Like you need to go and have a conversation with HR. I think it depends on the seniority of each of the people in the relationship and whether they're directly working with each other for each other or in the same department. I think if you're not, if you're in a completely different division, if it's an organisation with 20,000 people and it's a completely different division, I don't think there are the same kind of issues, but there are much bigger issues if you are in the same team, if your colleagues in the same team, if you're directly reporting or can influence somebody's career. Um, mm, It just because when in the moment your heart takes over, right?
2: It absolutely does. It absolutely does. And I can sit here and say I would never do it again. But I know that if I felt those same feelings, I probably would do it again. Um, I think one of the things that I would do is, um, as I said earlier, weight my career a little bit more heavily in my thoughts. So I would potentially say, you know, yes, we can date, but if it starts affecting work, then no kind of thing. I think I would have a lot more serious thoughts about the impact that it would have. Um, If it was a job that I didn't care about, I probably wouldn't think much of it. But at the time, like, I really cared about the job that I gave up to move home to be with him. I really did. So I I, I
0: kind of look back as well, and I I gave up a job to move interstate to follow what Mm -hmm. became my husband's career and I kind of look back now and I go well I actually had an experience I wouldn't have otherwise had yeah and whilst it was difficult and I took a bit of a backward step in my career it actually in many ways rounded out my career so on the one hand like you kind of say well I'm I'm not going to take a backward step and I'm going to weight my career higher but then sometimes the way the universe kind of throws things at you. They give you a whole other set of experiences that you wouldn't have otherwise had that then take you on the next step of your journey that allow you to be an amazing relationship podcaster that you wouldn't (laughs) have otherwise had if you hadn't (laughs) had that bad experience.
2: My problem was that I followed him for his job and ended up in the job of my dreams and then instead of listening to the universe, I followed him home Mm. (laughs) instead of staying in the dream career. So... I mean, that dream career did open a lot of extra doors um, for me at the time when I came home. I kind of had a a little bit more to pick from. But, yeah, gosh, the universe tried to tell me something and I ignored it twice. And I think think that's
0: the message. The message is listen to your inner voice. Yes. Yeah, exactly right.
1: And, I mean, look, every disaster I've ever had in my life resulted in something better. When I look back and I go, if that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have had this. Wouldn't have happened if that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't have happened, and it always ended up in a better place. At the time, you know, you're like devastated, and miserable, and you can't believe it's happened to you. But then you look back and you go, oh yeah, that that maybe was the universe talking to you. The universe mm-hmm. might have been saying to you, don't go back because there's going to
2: be a little bit of pain. For a lot of gain, exactly. It was one of those things where my gut told me to not go, but I still went. Which
1: <laughs> going down that track, um, yeah. which which might have been the like the the silver lining that took you somewhere else. It so did. It's, oh, yeah, look, mean, it's hard to terrible. know. It's, no, it's the is it?
2: Made made this whole podcasting journey that I've had happen. You know, exactly. and it's probably been one of the that best. It was a gift. Yeah, it was a gift. Yeah, and, Judith, I I really he it gave me anything, but um, in this and, case, the experience gave me, me great experience. material.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, good Judith, material.
2: We're we <laughs> crap at giving advice, Judith. I'm sorry
0: on this issue. We're crap at giving advice because I think we can intellectualize advice and we can process advice. But the heart is the heart and the heart does what the heart does. <laughs> and
1: look, the, the, the main thing is, is that if you're going to go down that track, there are a couple practical things that you do need to do uh, when you're working in an organization. One is find out what the rules of engagement are with your current organization, because some companies do have rules um, for people not dating at, at work. So find out what those rules of engagement are. And it may be you need to let HR know or you need to let your boss know and let them know that you're in a relationship. Once you've decided that you are definitely in a relationship, don't bring the relationship to work. When you're at work, you're working. It's professional. You don't call your it's pet names, any do those things. And, you know, don't make it obvious from that point. Don't go to lunch for two hours together. Those kind of things. Keep it professional. Um, and then if for some reason there is a Um, an opportunity I would personally my personal advice if you're in the same division and start looking to transfer out into another division if you can if it's gotten to that point and that would have to be with the discussion um, because it could hinder your advancement as well and then if you do get promoted let's say your partner is the boss and they do promote you well then people um that's the reason you got promoted even if it's happening either so just look at it logically from the point of view okay we're in a relationship it's going good you're going to be my life partner we're happy but it's a large organization should we actually or do we actually want to be in the same division working with each other day to day and then go home
0: Hmm. So Judith, I think that's a really that's good way. I think that's a really good segue to it seemed like a good idea at the time. So um, everybody that, that's the end of part 1. Please stay tuned to part 2 where we go through some Q&A and uh, work through some real life examples. For more information about every step and our guests, head to everysteppodcast.com. To be notified of new podcasts, please subscribe via your favorite listening platform. And of course, follow us on social media and direct message us to share your ideas about guests or topics.